0: Who are they? How did they get here? And where are they now? I'm Tyson Chastain, Director of Alumni Relations with Johnson University, and this is the Sojournal Podcast. The Sojournal Podcast is a production of the Alumni Relations Office at Johnson University and is brought to you by the Alumni Association. Whether you graduated from Central Florida Bible College, Johnson Bible College, Florida Christian College, or Johnson University, you are a part of the alumni family. Join the Alumni Association and help encourage and equip alumni and students as they pursue kingdom-focused vocations. Learn more at johnsonu.edu forward slash alumni. Today, we're joined in the Sojournal Podcast by 2021 Johnson University, Tennessee graduate Tyler Lopes. Tyler, welcome to the Sojournal Podcast.
1: Thank you, Tyson. I appreciate you having me on and I appreciate you uh, doing this a little bit later than you're used to uh, to make it work. I do appreciate that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to do it. Thank you so much for joining me today. You came recommended by my associate director of alumni relations there at uh, Johnson. Tyler Shelton uh, said that I needed to talk to you because apparently you do a podcast yourself and you uh, You were the voice of the Royals, as I understand it. So, (laughs) Uh, absolutely. You know, I love I love
1: Shelton. He's uh, he's a great guy, and I appreciate him uh, getting me reconnected with you. And uh, I'm very excited. This ought to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Thank you so much for joining me today, Tyler. Uh, First question to get started is just: Would you mind giving a general introduction of yourself to those in the audience who do not know who Tyler Lopes is?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, as as you mentioned, I graduated in 2021 from Johnson University. Uh, I was a, a sport and fitness leadership major. Uh, I am now married uh, to my wife, Tracy. Uh, we've been married for just over a year. And right now I work as a sales associate for a company called Green Gridiron, uh, where we basically uh, we recondition face masks for football teams. We sell helmets, chin straps, uh, face masks. We do a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get into a lot more of that later, but um, that is my, uh, that's a little bit about me right now.
0: Cool. Great. So Tyler, to get started on your journey, then uh, tell me about where you were raised. Uh, were you raised in a Christian home? Where Where's home for you?
1: So I was raised in uh, a small town called Freetown, Massachusetts. Uh, if you are familiar with the Fall River or New Bedford area of uh, Massachusetts, it's right around there uh I was raised in a Christian home I didn't start going to church though until I was probably nine or ten uh years old I I feel like the reason was a combination of the fact that when I was a kid I didn't have much interest and also as I am kind of the same way as an adult I was a bit of a rowdy child and so I'm not (laughs) sure how well I would have done in church at that time so um once I got a little bit older and calmed down a little bit uh I was able to you know, start going to church. And then I've been raised in the church ever since then. And uh, obviously ended up uh, going to Bible college as well. So
0: all the way so through. Were, were were both of your parents Christians or just one or the other? Uh, what yeah, was that both, early faith both, journey like?
1: Yeah, both were. Um, uh, both my parents are Catholic. Uh, so yeah. I was raised Catholic. It was. It's definitely a little bit different than than what you would get at Johnson. Obviously, it's um, that kind of upbringing. At the very least, gave me a, a rough introduction to God and to what he what the possibilities were, uh, so that I can kind of find my own way.
0: So yeah, you're you're unique among you know the typical demographic or population that come that has come to Johnson is just you know uh, Catholic parents. So h- how in the world does a Catholic guy find Johnson University?
1: Well, uh, I found it through uh, baseball. Kind of just briefly, I was – at of high school, I was supposed to go to Berry College up in Rome, Georgia. Beautiful college. If you've ever been there or heard of it, it's one of the biggest campuses in terms of just square feet in the world. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Hmm. I was supposed to go there, uh, but baseball was not going to be a career for me. And uh, one day my dad walked into my room – Uh, About, I think this is probably late June, early July of 20, this would have been 2016, right after I graduated high school. And he said, Hey, I got a coach on the phone for you. He wants to talk to you. And at that point, I was like, dude, I I don't want to do this. I I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to, I don't want to hear what anybody has to say. I'm done with baseball. I'm good. I'm out. And he said, please just just give him five minutes, just let him talk to you. And I'm glad I did because I ended up going to this one year school called Inspiration Academy. Uh, where you basically you're a full time athlete, part time student, and it's also a Christian organization. Mm. Um, so I kind of reconnected with God there, uh, and also gave me an opportunity to go out and play baseball for one more year and see if there were any schools that would be interested in me. And Coach Tom Phillips, who was the assistant coach at Johnson at the time, if my memory serves me correct. Now I don't know how accurate this is, or if this is just my storytelling brain getting um details wrong but i'm pretty sure he called my coach in the middle of a game where i was <laughs> pitching and coach mario who's the still the head coach down there at uh, inspiration academy basically said well i've got this guy that's doing okay right now he's you know he he could probably be somebody that you're looking for in terms of a guy who's smart and he's a, a good christian kid and he'll work hard and he plays the field and pitches and then the next day I talked to coach Phillips and long story short, visited Johnson, fell in love with it and uh, ended up coming there.
0: Wow. That's interesting. where, where is, where was inspiration Academy?
1: So that was in Bradenton, Florida. So that's uh oh middle goodness. of the West coast of Florida. Um, so yeah, quite a bit of ways, but apparently there, you know, obviously uh, if, if you know who Kevin Ewing is, He's also from Inspiration Academy. He's also from Bradenton. He lives around that area, though. Several people from Inspiration Academy have ended up going to Johnson University over the years. I can't remember by name any other examples besides Kevin and I off the top of my head, but definitely, obviously, there was a rapport there before me.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, So how did your dad know about Inspiration Academy to get you connected with him? I don't know
1: specifically. I think they called him. I don't. I don't know. Maybe he did reach out to them. I have no idea. Um, I never really asked that question, but that certainly would be a, a good question to ask. I, uh, I'm not so sure how that ended up happening. Again, the only thing that I, the only thing that I was involved with was just me sitting in my room, and then my dad handing me the phone, and there was a coach on the line. I don't know how that how their conversation started or who prompted which party to. You had already graduated high school by this time. Yes. So I graduated in May of 2016 uh, from high school and I was going to go that next August to Barry, Mm -hmm. but instead that coach called me and basically just said, listen, Tyler, I, I know that baseball's burned you and you feel like you've given everything you've had and it's all been for nothing, but there is one person here that still thinks you have something left to give this game. And so if there is any part of you that wants to keep playing, just give me a call. And we can work something out. And, you know, I wasn't quite ready to give up baseball uh, at that point, even though I kind of felt like I was. But, you know, once I kind of went out there and, and started, you know, throwing and getting grounders and, and, and you know, throwing a flat ground and everything for this coach to look at me, I was like, oh, wait, I, I remember how much I love this. And I do still want to do this. And I felt like I had something else to give. So
0: huh. when did you get started in baseball?
1: Uh, so ever since I was four, I mean, you know, in, uh, in Massachusetts, it's a little bit different. I don't know what it's like in Tennessee necessarily for sports, but in Florida, it's, you know, every sport is year round because the weather mm-hmm. is perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, perfect in terms of it not being freezing or snowing or anything and all <laughs> that stuff, you know, 110 right. is not necessarily perfect, but Hey, it's playable. Right. So, right. you know, right. baseball is all the time, but in Massachusetts specific sports, kind of like in high school were for certain seasons because of the weather. So football season was definitely the worst because you had, uh, it started in July in Massachusetts where it's 105 degrees and crazy humidity. And then it ends in November and December when it's five (laughs) degrees and you put your hand in the dirt and you get frostbite on your fingers. Like it's just, it's awful. But yeah, baseball season was uh, always the season where, you know, you're done with football And you kind of play basketball a little bit and then you kind of mix in baseball at the same time. You could do both because it's not super strenuous on your body, depending on what you're doing. And then you obviously fully transition to baseball. So baseball really was that that sport that I focused most of my time on. And I felt like I was the best at. And so when I moved to Florida, basically, my parents said, look, it's you know, Florida is not like Massachusetts. You can't play both. It's, mm. it's very difficult here because every sport's 24-7. And if you want to make it in the sports world, you got to dedicate your time to one. So it's time to take football, basketball, baseball, and choose one.
0: And I chose mm. baseball. So that's so, uh, so. you were a multi-sport athlete in high school.
1: I was, yeah. I was, I was captain of the basketball team as well uh, for two years, my junior and senior year of high school. And I love basketball to bits. I, I quite frankly think that it is my favorite sport, which is weird. Um, as, a, as a guy who played college baseball, right? But there's just mm-hmm. something about basketball. I, I don't know what it is. I, it's my favorite thing to talk about, not thing necessarily, but my favorite sport to talk about. Um, whenever I'm doing a podcast episode uh, where I'm talking about a lot of NBA stuff, that's the stuff that I, that's that's what I've enjoyed the most. Um, so yeah, I, I, I played several different sports growing up, but obviously baseball is what I felt like I could pursue long-term.
0: Uh-huh. Kind of jumping back into the childhood a little bit, Massachusetts, uh, you know, that's obviously not necessarily a hub for restoration movement churches or anything, but was that a highly, like, Catholic, high church kind of an area? I,
1: not really, I don't think, and and it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to say because I, I, I lived there until I was 11, mm. and then I left, so, like, I, I don't have a fantastic memory of all that kind of stuff for when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I know my grandmother was really, like, this is going to sound Obviously way too spot on, but she was very religious about going to church. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So she, she would always go to church. um, And then my mom and my dad would always go to church every Saturday, you know, in my family, it was really important, but Mm -hmm. I don't know about the greater area just because most of my memories from when I lived there are being with my family at either my grandmother's house or my grandfather's house and, or my parents' house or playing sports. So I, I don't have a great memory of the overall church scene in, uh, in Massachusetts from my childhood.
0: What, what happened? You said nine years old? Uh, I moved when I was 11. When you were 11. Okay. So what, what caused that move? I don't,
1: I think it was a combination of the weather. My parents just being sick and tired of Massachusetts winters where you're buried in two, three feet of snow and you got to, and my parents, I, I, you know, in Massachusetts, they had a super ridiculously long driveway, like here in Greenville, where I live now, it would be whole streets long, like it's, it, it, <laughs> it was such a, it was like a quarter mile long driveway, it was just absurd, and so to have to shovel and plow that just to get your cars out, you know, because my dad mm. ran a business, and my mom was a, uh, a big, a higher up ranking member of Johnson & Johnson, the credit union, uh, mm. when I was a child so they were working all the time and they didn't really get many off days so you know if, it doesn't matter if it's negative five degrees and three feet of snow you got to be at work at 5 a.m or 6 a.m or or that's you know mm. or that's your job so yeah I, I think it was a combination of that and also just Massachusetts is really expensive everything is just absurd the taxes are crazy especially compared to Florida where there's no income tax, real estate's way, 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 way cheaper. You know, uh, everything's just way cheaper. So I think my parents kind of looked at it and said, listen, we've got family that's already in Florida. My uncle lived there at the time before he passed. They were like, listen, the money that we have saved up is going to go a lot longer and a lot farther in Florida than it is here. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think it was a combination of a lot of things. Um, And then just also, you know, I know my dad's talked about how Sports in Massachusetts is not as serious, except for maybe hockey. Hockey's Mm. pretty huge in Massachusetts. Everything else is kind of in a back burner, maybe basketball too. Florida, the baseball scene is insane. I mean, you've got, you know, just tons and tons of high schools, colleges, and everything. So if I wanted to pursue that, Florida was probably going to be the best place to cut my teeth. Definitely a combination
0: of a lot of things. So did you play middle school football in Massachusetts or was your uh, Yeah, I played experience?
1: peewee football. I played middle school football. And then once I got to high school, I was like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm five foot eight, I'm 105 pounds. I, I don't want to die. I, I like my head where it's, I like my head where it is. So I think, I think that had a lot to do with it for sure.
0: <laughs> you were talking about your love of basketball and I'm thinking, wow, five foot eight, that's you know, you'd have you were always the short guy on the team. But I guess, I mean, what did you play point guard?
1: Yeah, point point guard, shooting guard. Uh, I had to play point guard a lot because a lot of the a lot of the other players that you know running an offense wasn't necessarily what they liked to do or what they were fantastic at, and it wasn't what I was good at either but unfortunately out of the options, it seems to be that I was the least <laughs> likely to just throw the ball to somebody else. So they just had to, you know, I had to do, I, they put me there, but you know, I, I, again, I love basketball. There's plenty of times where I, I wish I could still be playing just because it's it's just so much fun, but I'm definitely a little too overweight for that at this point. So I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> well,
0: not, now it's Tyler Lopes power forward. That's, that's that's That's
1: it. That's it. I don't know how much power there is, but definitely, <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. That's fun. All right. So um, 11 years old, then down to Florida, you said you started going to church around 9, 10 years old. Catholic church the whole time? Yeah.
1: Catholic church the whole time. I didn't start going to non-Catholic church. Until I went to Inspiration Academy when mm. I was 19 years old. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, almost 10 years in the game. And, you know, quite frankly, it could have been a little earlier than nine or 10. I, it's a, it's a little, it's a little fuzzy, but
0: for right. me,
1: yeah, I, I didn't go to a non-Catholic church until, uh, for the first time until I was 19.
0: Is there a time in your youth where you could identify that you latched onto this faith thing as your own and not just faith oh. of your family?
1: Um, I don't think so. I think I really struggled until I got out of the Catholic Church because, at least in my experience, right? I can't, I can't speak for every Catholic, right? I can't speak for every right. Catholic church, right. but in my experience, uh, I never picked up a Bible once those ten years. And you know, you could chalk that up to personal responsibility or lack thereof, right? But I just feel like in the environment that I was in, you know, you didn't have to. It, it was mm-hmm. mostly about you give to the church and you confess your sins and you go to church. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're doing that, then you're going to be fine. Or, you know, maybe not even that you're going to be fine, but like you need to do that or you're not going to be fine. Almost Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, and again, I can't can't speak for every Catholic or, or every church, but you know, that, that was a lot of my experience. And so for me, honestly, it, it's still a huge struggle for me. Going to church on Sundays, like Mm. finding the motivation or the want to because for 10, the first 10 years of my life, it was like the chore, the chore of all chores to have to go because you just didn't want to go, you felt like you needed to go, you know, now obviously my wife has been such a big help and and such a big inspiration, because she's so much into uh, the body of the church and she's so into you know the classes and, and and wanting to learn and wanting to go to studies and all that stuff and it's all wonderful. Um so that's been a really big inspiration for me to try and get out of my shell and to get over that like that instinct of like oh it's Sunday morning I gotta go to church now. No, it's sh- it's it shouldn't be that it should be hey it's Sunday morning. It's time to go to church. Like let's go,
0: let's get fired right. up about it. So, right. The opportunity um, still as definitely as to the that. obligation. That's that's interesting. I don't know. I'm always fascinated by how how the Lord works in people's lives differently. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what I I mean, at what point then would you say that you really actually started to grasp and believe this thing?
1: Uh, Honestly, I would say right around when I turned 21, so Mm -hmm. not too long ago, only a few years ago, Um, there's a lot that kind of transpired my first year at Johnson and then moving into the summer that that really just kind of opened my eyes Where, you know, you think you're on the right track, but then a lot of things happen and you realize you're really not on the right track and you're really not as good of a person or a Christian or whatever that you think you are. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think one of the big things for me is going to sound very strange until I kind of explain it. But when my aunt died, my aunt was one of my best friends. She was at all of my games uh, throughout high school. Once she moved to Florida after we did, she was at all my games um, she even helped run our concession stand at my high school. She didn't get paid for it, but she did it just because she wanted to be there for me and help me out. And when she died, uh, the one of the last things she said to me was, Tyler, you don't seem happy. And the only thing I've ever wanted you to be is happy. I had to really like sit on that and think, okay, why am I not happy? Why am I miserable right now? Because she's right. I'm not happy. There's something wrong in my life that's not, some, there's something that's not right. And there's something that's making me miserable. I need to figure out what it is. And one of those things is, listen, I need to get closer to God. I need to figure this whole God thing out because I've been trying for 10 years and I have still have no clue what the heck I'm doing. I mean, I'm 25. I still have no idea what the heck I'm doing. Let's be honest with ourselves. But <laughs> well, the point is, you know, at that time, I really I didn't even have a start. Like I, I, I'm like, I don't I, I don't read the Bible. I don't go to church because I didn't even really go to church at that time. Like I got nothing. I need to just start over completely. And I think at that point I made the decision, all right, I need to, I need to start figuring this thing out. I need to start doing something. I need to start asking for help. And I think that's really when I started, obviously not in any perfect way whatsoever, but started the journey that I'm on now where like, yes, I'm completely imperfect and I mess up all the time but I'm at least trying to move in the right direction as opposed to just like kind of pushing it away and, Mm. and denying it.
0: Did you get the sense uh, growing up in a Catholic church that, that God was like this bully or, or I don't know about bully, but I mean, like if you didn't toe the line, you were out. No, I
1: felt that the church was, I didn't feel that God was, but I felt like people in the church and the people like the priests and, you know, the bishops and even some of the people that were going to church, you know, they were to be the ones that I would be afraid of in terms of not discipline necessarily, because I mean, what's a 85 year old lady going to tell a 12 year old kid, you know, like, she's not going to hit me with something or anything like for not going to church. But for me, it was more along the lines of, you know, I feel like if I don't go, or if I don't do this, then the Catholic church is not going to accept me, not necessarily Mm -hmm. God. I did feel, and I kind of still do feel this way. And again, everybody has, has their own way of communicating with God, but just because of how I grew up and just because of the kind of church I grew up in, whenever I hear somebody praying where they say like, Hey God, or, or they call God like their best friend or something. I get like that, like shiver because like for me in catholic church god's not a friend Mm. god is your god is your father he is your lord and that is it like he is Mm. your boss like that is he you listen to him and that's it there's no like friend there not that he isn't a good god or anything but just like he's not an equal to you Mm. he is over you that's kind of slowly started to come down as well where it's like okay god isn't always a disciplinarian God is also someone who heals someone who helps someone who's there to listen to you and take care of you. And, and, you know uh, if you need something, he's there. So it's not just like that kind of over looming overarching presence. It's no, he's, he does work in all aspects of your life too. He's not just there to like sit there with binoculars and pick on every little thing you're doing or not doing kind
0: of thing. Yeah. 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 It- The way that you describe that makes me think of how I think some of us have lost the awe of his holiness, but at the same time, not being on the complete other extreme where he is just like so holy that I can't even talk to him. Of course, you think about who went away justified was the one beating his chest and saying, Lord, have mercy on me, not not the one who thought they had it all figured out.
1: For sure. Yeah, and again, just to clarify – there is nothing wrong at all with people saying, hey, God, or calling God a friend. It's it's just still that, for some yeah. reason, that, like, tick in my brain from just, it's almost like a, I don't know if you're a Marvel guy, but, you know, like, when, when, when the Winter Soldier has those words spoken to him and then he just turns into something, like, there's mm-hmm. still that, like, little bit inside of me that's like, no, that's uh-huh. wrong, wait, no, it's fine, just stop doing that. Like, kind of, uh-huh. you know, like... That there's still just a little bit of that left. There's definitely oh, I, nothing wrong with it. At I all, totally no. I don't get know it. Any of your viewers thinking that, oh, Tyler hates when I say, <laughs> hey, God, when I pray. No, <laughs> no it's it's no.
0: perfectly fine. <laughs> I totally get it. And I think it's important that you're making this distinction. You know, when you're raised in that kind of a church setting, it's obvious that you are going to have those influences kind of bouncing off your brain throughout the rest of mm-hmm. your spiritual experience. So, yeah, I get it. That's. Uh, I think it's good. It's insightful. Moved down to Florida. Did you move to the Bradenton area? Where did you guys go in Florida when you went down there? So we
1: moved to uh, Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, My uncle John, uh, like I said, before he passed, he had a house in uh, Lehigh Acres, which is, I mean, 10 or 15 minutes outside of Fort Myers. Uh So we ended up moving into a a neighborhood in Fort Myers. And then a few years down the road, my parents moved out into Alva, which is even more in the middle of nowhere. Like there's Mm. parts of Fort Myers, you know, along the coast, by the beaches, or downtown, that like, there's everything you could ever want. We mm-hmm. did not live there. We lived in the middle of nowhere in Fort Myers, you know, where there's... <laughs> I'm not kidding. So, if you walked out the front door of my old house, across the street, there was a church. Over here, there was a farm, and behind us, there was a church.
0: <laughs>
1: and then, of course, on the other side, there were other houses. So, it uh-huh. was like, uh-huh. like we lived where it was just churches and farms. That's all there was. Um, so it, it, yeah, uh, we lived in the middle of nowhere and then somehow my parents decided to move even farther out into the middle of nowhere. And it's
0: just like, dude, what are you
1: doing? I want to, I want to eat or go shopping and it doesn't take me three and a half hours. Like, you know, this is
0: ridiculous. (laughs) Okay. So, so high school down there, Lehigh Acres, right?
1: Uh, well, yeah. So Fort, uh, I, I went to school, I went to a a, a Christian school, actually, uh, Mm -hmm. my freshman year of high school. And it was my first, that was my first real experience of non-Catholic Christianity where there was actually a class where it was just called John, that the whole class was just John. We just read through the entire book of John, studied it, did projects on it. And I just, and I remember that for the first time, like reading through that, I was like, oh, like I'm getting something different here. Like I'm getting a whole different feeling than what I'm used to in terms of church or Mm -hmm. studying God that I've ever done before. So that was my first real taste of it. But then mm-hmm. after um, my freshman year of high school, I actually transferred to a non-Christian college prep school in Naples, Florida. And it was actually a 50-minute drive there and back every day to go to school. It was definitely worth it,
0: though. I, I guess your emerging faith, how did your high school years impact your emerging faith? or, 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 or did Well, it- I'll tell you, I
1: thought it impacted it tremendously. At yeah. the time, I thought I was I thought I was really, you know, I was really a lot. And, then, you know, a lot of the, my, my friends at, at Johnson, if you if you ever do get in touch with them from my freshman year, they'll tell you I was really on my high horse. Mm. Um, I, I, I thought a lot of myself. And uh, so I thought through my high school, I thought I was this great Christian kid that, you know, was just really nice to everybody. And, you know, you look back on it and you realize you were a jerk, you know, kind of. a. <laughs> and, and, and I really wasn't I really wasn't all that great. You know, I, I'm not sure how much of a role it actually played, but I, I, I promise you at the time, I, I thought I was doing really, really well for myself uh, mm-hmm. in terms of my faith. But, you know, obviously you you look back and you realize just how many mistakes you really made and just how little you really were using your faith. Yeah. Or even if you were using it, you were using it in the wrong contexts or for the wrong reasons. And I'll tell you a quick little story. And it's one of the things that I regret the most in my entire life even to this day, this is almost 10 years later, we, my, my team, my baseball team, we went to the state championship game and I had pitched in the state semifinals. I had done really well. When I got to school the next day, one of the teachers had come up to me and said, Tyler, how did you do that? Cause I, I'd thrown a complete game shutout. Like, how did you do that at that moment? If you're a Christian person, what do you say? Oh, you know, I just, you know, God just, just, he just opened up a door for me and he allowed me to do something, something like that. Right. Mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. looked at this woman and I said, I don't know. I don't know how I did it. I really have no idea. <laughs> like that's that. I, I still think about that like once a week. Cause it's like, my God, like, you know, what an opportunity that was to mm. s- tell somebody about how amazing God is and the amazing blessings that he gave me or to keep me healthy or whatever just, you know, kind of that, that, that's the best that I could come up with at that point. So you know, not, uh, not one of my finer moments, but you know, uh, for me, it, it, high school was just one of those places where I thought I was doing really well. And it just, I just, I just really wasn't in terms of my faith.
0: Great. Uh, you know, you, you hear some professional athletes when they're interviewed about you know, whatever it is, winning the MVP or whatever they might win or, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like, well, I, you know, first I just got to give great, uh, you know, thanks. Thanks to the Lord for the opportunity, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and sometimes you wonder how authentic that is. Other times, I mean, folks like Tim Tebow, you know how authentic they mean. it. For sure. But yeah, just the idea that you even mention it in one way or another. I I, I get that. You know, when I was in high school, I used to play club soccer and I wore a I was a goalkeeper and I wore a jersey that had a cross on it. It's like uh, this is the way i this is how I'm going to give my testimony to all of these people I'm going to wear. it. I had the the worst temper as a goalkeeper. So if my defense did junkie then I was all upset and you know yelling at him or I was kicking the goalpost or whatever it was and I look back on that now and it's like, oh gosh, I was such an idiot. It's like a big cross right here on my chest. And yeah, it's, it's easy to, to lose our focus sometimes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, you know, you know, you, you do questions sometimes when you see professional athletes, like, you know, how authentic is it? Mm-hmm. I just regret not saying anything. And you know what, even if I had said it, maybe it wouldn't have been authentic and maybe that's why I didn't say it. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe God would rather you say nothing than to say something and not mean it, you know, there's, there's mm. I forget what book it's in, but there's a passage that says, you know, I would rather you be warm or cold than lukewarm or hot yeah. or cold than lukewarm. Hot or cold, so right, maybe that right. was, so, so maybe that was, maybe that was that moment. Maybe mm. he knew I was a little lukewarm at that point and he would rather me just been cold.
0: Well, let's, uh, let's keep going on this journey. Then you, you made your way from high school to the inspiration Academy. You had already graduated, got the call from the inspiration Academy And and inspiration Academy. Was that supposed to be like a, a one-year college prep figure it out kind of a academy? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So it was exactly that. It was a college, it was kind of a, um, uh, a college prep school, but not, it's not exactly like, like you would hear a college prep high school. It's not like that. So it was one year. Like I said earlier, you're kind of a full-time athlete, part-time student where I took, I think three total classes, In two semesters, you know, I took an English class. I took a math class and a psych class or something like just, Mm -hmm. you know, random stuff. And only one of those three classes transferred over, and really. neither of the ones I took during baseball season transferred over. So I literally could have taken no classes and would have had the same thing. But that's okay. Well, you know, I won't I won't <laughs> yell at anybody at Johnson <laughs> for that. But basically, what you're supposed to do is, you know, you get up every day, you work out, you 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 practice all the time, you run all these drills, and you take all you take all these physical tests, and you try and build your arm strength up, you try and build your velo up, you try and get faster, you try and get stronger. So that, you know, later on, when December, January, February, March, all that time rolls around, there's colleges that our coaches will communicate with. And hopefully they'll want you and Ooh. they'll be able to put you in either a junior college to, you know, further try and get you in a university down the road. Or if you get very lucky like me, they'll put you right into a four year school um, and hopefully playing baseball. Now, obviously, that doesn't work for 100 percent of the guys, you know, sometimes it's their last year playing, and that's that's sad because you know I, I'll say this right off the bat: all the guys that I played with are way more talented than me, um, and I know that some of them didn't end up playing college ball after that, and that's just that's that's upsetting because you know you want people that are talented to be able to get a chance to show what they can do at the next level, but some people, you know, they for whatever reason they just didn't want to keep playing or they decided to just you know, move on with something in their life, or in some cases, they blew it for themselves, whether they Mm. were doing drugs, or whether they were getting in fights, going out drinking, whatever it is, you know, they chose that over baseball. And that happens more often than it should. And it's really unfortunate. But Mm. um, yeah, definitely. uh, The purpose of it is to kind of prepare you for four year school and to get you into a place where you can continue your baseball career. Or, you, said that- you know, if it's, you know, a prep school for volleyball, then, you know, your volleyball career. Although this one, I don't think there were any other uh, post-grad sports than baseball, so.
0: Okay. So you said that this academy actually rekindled your your enjoyment of the game?
1: Yeah, in, in a lot of ways. I, I'll i say this. My enjoyment of the game has never and will never be the same as it was when I was 15, 16, 17, uh, just because of the way things ended up happening in the way things progressed but yeah it definitely it it, at the very least it made me realize that i still had more to give uh Mm -hmm. and that even at that point i did not feel closer to god doing anything else than being on that mound there's something about being out there you're alone and yes you got you got a teammate in front of you and seven teammates behind you and a whole bunch of guys in the dugout cheering you on. Like, that's all true. There's a part of it that's you're, you're almost just completely alone. You're on an island. We, we call it, you know, we, we say it a lot in baseball. You're on an island out there. Mm-hmm. It's just you and that's it. And so when you're in that space and you're so absurdly focused on something, that's when I felt closest to God. Even at that time, it, at the very least, reminded me of that aspect of my life where, you know what? It may not be perfect, but this is as close as I'm getting to God right now. So let's keep, let's keep that rolling. So
0: you played at Inspiration Academy with, with Kevin Ewing.
1: Yes. And no. So I was on the post-grad team, which is after high school and he was a senior in high school at that time. So he was playing on the high school team. So our interactions and he'll tell you the same exact thing. Our interactions at Inspiration Academy were limited to every once in a while. If we were like, you know, passing each other from practice to practice, or if they had just finished up a game and we were going to practice or vice versa. And then some, you know, uh, the guys uh, in post-grad that were taking online classes, they had to actually go into the high school study hall with all the high schoolers that were in that particular study hall at the time to, you know, do their classes for an hour. And Kevin was in those classes. Mm. Um, So, um, or at least some of them, right? So that was really my interactions with Kevin. It was very, very limited. Um, the most time I spent with him was the day that we signed together before we got to Johnson. Oh yeah so it's so weird because like you know, we're best friends now or at least he's my best friend. I don't know how he feels about me. He might hate me now. <laughs> but um, no, I hope not anyway. I would break my heart. But you know he um, it's so weird because you know people from Johnson if they hear hey we we actually met each other and knew each other before we got here, you'd think, oh so you guys are best friends before he came here. No, the <laughs> We really, we had officially met each other, obviously, well before we got the Johnson, but like the first time we had basically spent any quality time together was when we moved in and became each other's roommates. Oh, you guys were roommates? Yeah, we were Nothing. roommates for two years until I drove him so insane that he had to <laughs> get the heck away from me.
0: I, I never got to know him personally. Of course, I didn't get to know you personally either. But um, for those listening to this episode who do not know who Kevin Ewing is, uh, he is most known for being a one-armed player right
1: yeah and you know it's it's so cheesy and yet so poetic that I met him at a place called inspiration because Mm -hmm. he has been one of the greatest inspirations in my life since the day I met him Mm -hmm. you know I know he he's the kind of guy that doesn't want any attention he doesn't I mean he's probably going to be mad when he finds out that I'm talking about him on a podcast but he's just somebody that doesn't he doesn't think of it as a big deal because he's had it his whole life and he's done all these amazing things with, with, Mm -hmm. with just one hand, but it truly is remarkable when you sit there and you like see how he ties his shoes or you see how he carries in groceries from a car, you know, when, when we're all struggling, trying to balance 15 bags, he's just got him on his arm, like a coat rack. And it's just like, it's like little things like that, that as his roommate and as, you know, as him being one of my best friends, I got to see that every day mm-hmm. and it's, it's remarkable. And then obviously, I mean, what he's been able to do on the baseball field speaks for itself, the way he can play the field and the way he can pitch with one hand, it's remarkable. And I know he doesn't look at it as remarkable. He never will at this point, but it, it, it is, it's, it's mm-hmm. truly amazing. And I'm, it's one of the best privileges of my life. The fact that not only have I gotten to know him, but the fact that I was the best man at his wedding and he was the best man at mine, like it's just been one of the, best privileges of my life to to share this journey of life with him
0: right right that's so cool well i am sure that there's a lot more we can learn from your experience in college so inspiration academy connected you with johnson or one way or another that that connection was made Um, was, was it always with the Tennessee campus or was there a chance or a dialogue with the Florida campus at all? Oh,
1: I didn't even know there was a Florida campus <laughs> until I got to the Tennessee right? one. Uh, but it wouldn't have worked out cause there was no baseball there anyway. But, uh, oh. yeah, no, I, I, it was always the Tennessee campus. And, you know, when I, when I went up there, it, it's so funny. I told, I told coach fair, this as well, Ben fair, the, the, um, the former baseball coach and assistant mm-hmm. athletic director and many other positions as well at, at Johnson, um, I told him this story, so it's not like it's not public knowledge for those baseball people, but for your listeners, obviously, they're going to be non right. usually non-baseball player listeners. Right. Uh, so it's good for them to hear this. So when I, when I went up to visit Johnson, when I went up to actually kind of showcase for the baseball team, I was probably 25 to 30 pounds overweight, and I was sick as a dog. I was so sick. I, it was, it's one of the most sick I've ever been. So when I, when I was at inspiration, I had this upper respiratory infection that no joke lasted 26 days. It was like, like whatever COVID you've had at this point, unless it was horrible, it did not last as long as this upper respiratory infection did. It was horrible. I couldn't breathe for weeks. Like it was awful. And I was like nine days or 10 days into this upper respiratory infection when I went to go visit Johnson. So I was done. Like I was just the drive, just the, just the elevation of everything. Cause I'm from Florida. We don't even have Hills. Like there's Mm. no elevation there. So just all that. And plus it was in November, which means it was cold. And yes, I'm from Massachusetts, but I hadn't been to Massachusetts in seven (laughs) years at that point. So Florida boy, was cold.
0: Your blood thinned Um, out a bit. (laughs)
1: so you know i was so sick i was out of shape i was i have no idea what coach fair saw in me to let me come to johnson and actually play for him that day because like i look back and i go like i i had nothing i was i was like dry heaving like i was so i was so completely just done just physically just again because out of shape and also very very sick I don't know what he saw in me that day, but I'm very thankful. Whatever it is he saw, he saw it and let me, you know, continue my career.
0: So he, he had you throw a few pitches or what, what? Yeah. What kind of a yeah. He had, had me he, you throw you
1: a, he had me throw a bullpen. He had me, you know, take some at bats. He had me play the field, run some bases, just kind of, uh, you know, go through a whole practice with the team. They still do it a lot. They, they bring recruits onto the, on a campus and they practiced with us and you know, they'll, they'll go to their spots. They'll take BP, if any of them are pitchers, they'll throw a bullpen or a flat ground or some kind of, um, some kind of, um, you know, way to showcase what their talent is. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's so funny because I remember Timmy Howard is the one that uh, caught my bullpen, my flat ground that day. And he still caught me because of COVID. He had an extra year. He caught me all four years. So (laughs) it's very, you know, that doesn't happen. You know, I don't know how many guys um, can genuinely say that the catcher who caught their bullpen on their You know, their visit day caught them their whole college career like that just doesn't uh, doesn't happen very often, but it happened with me very lucky.
0: (laughs) That's cool. So tell me about uh, your Johnson experience, then what was it like for you academically, uh, spiritually, socially, what are some of the highlights that jump out at you from your time at Johnson.
1: Well, you know, like I, like I said earlier, you know, first year at Johnson, I was, I was in way over my head, right. In terms of just spiritually, I I thought I was in a good place, but you know, you learn that you're not, uh, you learn that there's, you know, there's a lot wrong with you in terms of just your, you know, your mindset or your approach to things, or just your kind of way of learning how to be a child of God and to really take that seriously. So the first year, I was I, I was like getting hit with a fire hose. I mean, I was mm-hmm. I was just completely overwhelmed, uh, and so unfortunately, I think for me, none of it really stuck very mm-hmm. much. Uh, and then again, as I mentioned earlier, you know, when my aunt died, that's when I really started. To ha- I I had to sit there and go, okay, if I'm going to get the most out of my time at Johnson, or just even out of life in general, I have got to become closer to God, and I've got to start taking this stuff more seriously. And so mm-hmm. after that, it was a lot easier to kind of put things into perspective and to learn and to study and to be disciplined in, in being a child of God, because, you know, a lot of people just think that it just, you know, you get baptized or you decide I'm going to be, I'm going to follow God and then you snap your fingers and then suddenly you're a perfect (laughs) Christian. And unfortunately, (laughs) that's not how it works. Everything. Mm, You know, I learned the saying early on and I know it's a very common one, but there's nothing in life that's worth doing. That's easy. Mm. And that includes following God. It's not easy. You don't just snap your fingers and learn everything. It is every day. You have to learn something. You have to put your mind to it. It's not just going to blend into your life seamlessly. You have to sacrifice for it. You have to be disciplined enough to say, okay, yes, I did work for 12 hours today and I recorded my podcast and I'm dead tired, but I've got to spend 15 minutes reading the Bible. I've got Mm -hmm. to do something to get spiritually acclimated today, like it's it's a discipline you've got to you got to do it, and I still struggle with it a lot. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, definitely Johnson helped me kind of funnel that time and and allowed me to manage my time a little bit better, so that I can get a foundation that I can build off of.
0: Who are the figures that you met at Johnson that stand out to you the most as being the most influential in your life? Well, I think
1: that the, obviously my wife is number one, right? She, she's just been literally a light at the end of the tunnel for me. Uh, when I met her, you know, I, I still was kind of in that phase of like, I was very much on my high horse and I didn't take anything seriously. But then once, once I kind of tried to, once I basically hit the reset button after my freshman year of college and came back, i lost a bunch of weight. I really started to take God seriously. That's when It started clicking to me like oh like there's something more here between us, and she's really just been a spiritual light for me because she's been in, she's been in church and in church leadership for her whole life so Mm. it's something to really marvel at and say you know wow like, not only is she where I want to be, but she's willing to actually take a step back and allow me to grow naturally instead of her saying, Hey, I'm in church leadership. You're going to be in church leadership too. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And me just having a panic attack going, I am nowhere near ready for that. I'm not qualified for that. It's no. Okay. Well I'm going to take a step back and we're going to learn together so that you can be more comfortable. And then eventually we'll get back there. She's obviously the, the number one and Jody Owens also uh, Dr. Owens has been So, so helpful. And he has been able to explain things to me in a way that I can actually understand them, Mm -hmm. which is, I know that that sounds like, well, yeah, obviously, like, how else would you figure things out if somebody doesn't explain them to you in a way you understand? But I don't know what it is about biblical studies, but they are sometimes are just really, really hard for me to grasp. Mm -hmm. And it might just be me being a little slow, but it also might just be because I didn't have that foundation from when I was three years old or four years old, like a lot of people that go to Johnson did. I don't it, you know. It's a combination of a lot of things. But for some reason, when I had a question, I could go to 10 different teachers and get 10 different answers that didn't make sense. And it's not their fault. That's just you know how it is. And then Jody Owens in 35 seconds would be able to explain it to me. And it would just immediately click in my head and I would figure it all out. Like I have no idea how he does it, but he does mm-hmm. it and it's incredible. Yeah. Um, so you know he's definitely another one that 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 really really helped me, especially with like ethical questions or conundrums where it's like, hey, there's this passage in the Bible that I don't understand. Like we teach this, but there's also this in the Bible. Like wh- how do those two things meld together? And he'd just be like, well, this, and I'm like, oh, like that's my life <laughs> conundrum solved in two <laughs> seconds. Like you know. So <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's definitely. Spe- I don't know if you've had him on the podcast yet but Uh, he's he's somebody that's got to be on here. He's, he's the way he can explain things. It's, it's, it's incredible, at least for me, you know?
0: Yeah. He's, he's frequently mentioned when, when I ask that question, he's obviously one of those faculty members that jump out the most. Yeah. Give me an education here. Sport and fitness leadership as your, uh, academic major, my understanding of sport and fitness leadership is along the lines of, you know, weight training or um, physical education teacher or whatever it is. I mean, what, how in the world did you end up, you you graduated sport and fitness leadership. How'd you end up being like the voice of the Royals and go on to your illustrative career in
1: (laughs) Tyson, there's a lot in that question. So I'll try and kind of pick that apart little by little. So sport and fitness leadership as a whole of a major um, you know, it's an, you know, there can be weight training aspects to it for sure. And there's different branches of it, right? There's, you know business, there's health, you know, there there's a bunch of others. For me, I was more of the business track mm-hmm. because, you know, when I first got to Johnson, I'm like, you know what, you know being an agent or a general manager would be cool, and I probably need a business background for that. In terms of how I got the job of being the voice of the Royals, it is, a hilarious story, but also <laughs> like really dumb at the same time as like, that, that's how you found out what you want to do for the rest of your life. It's <laughs> like, all that's, great though. Let's yeah. hear it. Let's go. So literally I'm just sitting in the underground with Tracy, obviously now my wife, but then just my girlfriend at the time. Uh-huh. And uh, my friend Colt um, texts me or Snapchats me, I think. And he literally said, Hey, Tyler, you like to talk. Would you like to be our PA next game? We need a PA. And I just like looked at Tracy. I'm like, I don't know whether to be excited or offended. I don't know like what I'm supposed to, you know, but no, obviously, you know, uh, I was like, you know what I haven't, because I, I was in choir in high school and I did a lot of performances and stuff on stage. So I was like, man, I haven't grabbed a microphone in front of a live crowd in like three or four years at this point. I'm, and this is my junior year of, um, of college, by the way. And so I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, man, like this is this is a lot. But you know what? Hey, I've done it before. It's fine. We'll we'll see how it goes. And it was very, very nerve wracking that first game, you know, writing out the prayer that I want to do and and memorizing everybody's name and, you know, just trying not to sound too horrible. Uh, And then, you know, when I was done, I remember just putting my head on the desk because I was so nervous. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, I haven't been this nervous to do anything in forever. I don't know if you know who Wyatt Wewell is. Mm -hmm. He graduated a few years ago, and he was, he had graduated the year prior to my junior year, and he was there helping me kind of through the process and, you know, just kind of making sure that I was comfortable. And he grabbed me when I was done with the announcements. And if you know Wyatt at all, you know, he's the nicest guy in the world. He's never angry about anything. And even when he's angry, he's still smiling. It's just Mm -hmm. one, he's one of those guys that's just a sweetheart, right? (laughs) Yeah. And he's also like 115 pounds soaking wet. Like he's not (laughs) a big dude. He grabs me and throws me to the back of my chair. Kind of like what I'm doing now. Obviously people that are listening to the podcast can't see me. He just throws me back in the chair. I'm just looking at him and he just says, listen to me. You do this. Do you understand? Like he was trying to get me to understand like what I just heard from his perspective. You just found your calling, dude. And I, and he, and it was almost like he put himself in charge of telling me that. And that was his way of doing it. Like, dude, this is what you do. Do you understand? And I was like, yep, I got it. It's someplace that I I feel really comfortable. I enjoy it like crazy. Uh, I'm still working for Bob Jones um, University. I'm still their announcer right now. Um, So it's, it's definitely something that I enjoyed and I have made so many friends because of that job. I've, I've been able to And it sounds so dumb because like, it's just, it's just Johnson university athletics. We're not on TV. We're not going to get any of that stuff, but my job was to make our athletes, even if it's just for those two seconds or three seconds that I'm saying their name, feel like what they're doing matters more. And it's worth all the hard work that they put in. Cause I'm an athlete too. I worked like, I worked my butt off to be a baseball player. Like it's nice when you get that little bit of recognition, like, Oh, you know, they're announcing our names. That's cool. And that was my job. I, I got to make our athletes feel better and feel something and, and feel important. I mean, I literally could not be blessed any more than that to be able to do that <laughs> job.
0: So you were doing that for basketball or volleyball? I or did that or what? for, I did that
1: for volleyball. I did it for men and women's soccer, men and women's basketball. And then my senior year and a little bit maybe a little bit my junior year. I can't remember. Maybe it's just my senior year uh, for baseball as well, because I was injured for a lot of uh, my senior season. So did a lot of announcing for baseball and a little bit for softball as well. But unfortunately, it, usually because I was playing baseball, I was with them and then, right. you know, they softball played at the same time. So I didn't get to go over there very often, but the couple of times that I did get to do softball, I really enjoyed it.
0: That sounds like fun. And it sounds like you really got into it. I mean, there's something about it that people enjoy what you do.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, there, there's obviously the fun aspect of, like, you know, getting to grab a live mic and be energetic and, and get a crowd fired up. But I will tell you, it's uh, it's very harrowing when mm. you have to do it when there's no one in the crowd. Because for the first portion of my senior year, that was coming back from the COVID year. No fans were allowed in oh, the yeah. gym. Talking with Coach Perry and with Coach Fair and and with, you know, all the other coaches and everything. Like, hey, like, what do you want me to do? Because, like, it's obviously there's no fans here. The players know that there's no fans here it's just us do you still want me to do this do you still want me to kind of announce everybody and and, and do everything and everybody kind of said you know what yeah because it was kind of like a little bit of normalcy even yeah. though obviously it was it was very awkward trying to be like and "You're johnson university royals and then nothing would happen because there's nobody nobody's right so like it's very awkward but that arguably was the most important time of my job because that's when our athletes really needed that they really needed just a little bit of normalcy a little bit of energy and that was my job for me that was definitely the most important part of my job was to just make sure my athletes and my friends in a lot of cases like felt like they were important and like they were wanted and like they were needed and
0: in a way it sounds like you were almost ministering to them I mean they, they needed that sense of normal normalcy.
1: It's tough for me to look at it look at me in that way of like yes, I was ministering to them because like for me I, I don't want to put myself on a pedestal like right that. right right I was just kind of doing my job but I see your point yes.
0: So you're in Greenville, South Carolina and you are working for Green Gridiron and also doing announcing for Bob Jones. So how did you find your way to those vocations? So uh,
1: Bob Jones, uh, that was a very, I mean, obviously all of it's a God thing, right? But this was really, really a God thing for Bob Jones. So as I kind of mentioned, I had been injured for a lot of my senior year. I tore my labrum uh, sometime during my sophomore year. I tore my labrum or in the summer after my sophomore year, sometime in that time frame. But I didn't really realize it until it was too late and junior year had already started. I pitched through it for half the season. And then COVID kind of took all that away blessing in disguise for me because I was so beat up. Like my back was just hurting so bad because I was overcompensating. Obviously i I wasn't glad that the season was over, but I look, look back and I'm like, I don't know how I'd have made it. Like who knows what else would have been wrong with me had I kept going down that direction. So mm-hmm. I had surgery after junior year, we came back. Uh, I had some complications, unfortunately, Um, With after my surgery, I started throwing and then basically everything from here all the way down, I can't even reach because my shoulders are still so bad, all the way down to towards the middle of my back was completely locked up to where I couldn't really even move stretch definitely couldn't throw had to have PT three or four times a week for two or three months, four months straight, um, just to literally be able to throw 65 miles an hour to Mm. finish out my year not on the pine. So during senior year, I barely played at all because I couldn't physically senior night rolls around and I knew that I wasn't really going to be much help on the field. So I went to my coaches and I said, I went to coach Bruce and I said, listen, I, I can't really, I can't really do much on the field. I'd like to announce, I'd like to announce senior night, you know, give our guys a proper send off, even if that meant me not getting announced because Mm -hmm. I mean, again, I'm, I'm injured. I'm, I'm really not even like a player at this point. I'm just, I'm just a body standing in the dugout wearing sweatpants. Luckily for me, they, they basically said, if you're going to announce, then we're going to have somebody come in and announce you like, we're not letting you do that, but you can announce that's fine. So when I announced senior day, we just so happened to be playing Bob Jones during that game and their assistant coach came up to me after you know the game had started and he basically just said hey like dude that was amazing like just how much passion you had and 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 just how much energy and how vibrant it was like i've i've been coaching at this level for years and i've never heard somebody with that much talent and that much passion and I, you know you you hear that and you just go oh you know thanks like you know you don't want to take right. it too seriously because you don't want it to go to your head right and he hands me a card and he says listen i have a job during the summertime if you want it but I had already had plans that summer to go to Alaska to be a commentator for a baseball league in Alaska for a summer. So I was like, well, I'm never going to email him because I can't take this job, but something, obviously God kept nagging me like literally every day for weeks, maybe even months straight to email this guy. It just kept nagging me, nagging me, nagging me, nagging me in my head and my heart. And I kept thinking like he said, He has a summer job. I can't do that. I already am going somewhere. Like there's no way I'm doing this. But finally one day I'm sitting in my room, baseball season's over. I've got like three or four days until I'm leaving. I'm sitting in there. I'm just staring at my computer. And I'm like, you know what? I just have to get this itch out of my body. I'm just going to email him. So I emailed him. He called me like two minutes after I emailed him and he said, Hey, actually that summer job is full, but I just found out my PA guy's retiring. So we need a PA guy for the, for next year. And I was like, there it is. That's why I kept,
0: <laughs> that's why I kept
1: being bugged about it because that's what happened. Right. So I had to wait a few weeks for, um, for Johnny Gammett, who's the assistant athletic director, uh, of Bob Jones to get back to me on an official, like, Hey, we do want you for that kind of deal. And then once I did, I called Tracy and I said, Hey, guess what? We're moving to Greenville so she was
0: cool with that. I mean,
1: yeah. And, and it's so crazy because it was one of those things where like you think that if you had a choice between living in Florida, where I had a job lined up for the Tampa Bay Rays part-time to be like a ticket gate person for, uh, at Tropicana field Hmm. where, you know, your family is an hour and a half away, an hour away, 30 minutes away, whatever. Right. You'd think that that would be like the thing you're comfortable with versus moving to a place where you have no friends, no family. You've never even visited as a vacationer or a tourist. But for some reason, when we were doing this, when we were planning out where we wanted to go, both of us felt this overwhelming peace going to Greenville instead of Tampa. It was very, you know, obviously, you know, it's a God thing for sure on this podcast. It's a God thing, right? When you're in the moment, you're sitting there going, how the why do I feel so comfortable doing this? Like, this is really weird. Like kind of, so, um, so yeah, it was, it was very harrowing for sure, but yeah, it it was one of those things where as soon as he said, my PA guys retiring, you'd be perfect for it. That was it. Like from that moment on, that's all I focused
0: on. So now you are the voice of Bob Jones university.
1: I am. I am. I am one of the few. I, unfortunately, because of my other job, uh, and you know podcasts and everything like that. I I'm not able to be at all the sports all the time, mm. so I usually only do the seven o'clock games or the weekend games. I do try to be there as much as I can.
0: So one thing we have not talked about, Tyler, is that and and you've mentioned it several times. You have your own podcast, so tell me what you do. What's the name of your podcast? What do you do in the podcast that you host? I do have a
1: podcast. It's called the Lopes Goes Last podcast. So obviously my last name Lopes goes last or the LGL podcast to kind of shorten it for branding purposes. Yeah. So I'm, I basically talk about the NBA, the NFL, the MLB. Um, I bounce around a lot. There's not really a like set thing that I talk about um, at this point in terms of like, you know, I talk about this every week and I talk about this every three weeks. I guess it's nothing like that. It's basically just whatever is going on in the sports world at that time and whatever Mm -hmm. kind of I want to talk about now, obviously I'm a Boston guy, right? I'm I'm Patriots fan, Celtics fan, Red Sox fan, all that stuff. (laughs) So my main expertise is Boston stuff. So I do kind of tend to talk about that more than I would talk about other teams, obviously just because that's the team that I'm a fan of. But uh, I mean, like for instance, I talked about Luka Doncic today. I just dropped a video at five o'clock right before we hopped on here about the Celtics, Uh, you know, there's, I did a Red Sox video earlier in the week, I did a Luca video earlier in the week, I done, you know, there's just a whole bunch of stuff um, that I talk about, and it's so much fun, I fully recognize that no one listens to it, Um, (laughs) I am talking into a camera to nobody for an hour and a half a week, and that's okay, it's, it's an outlet for me to talk about things that I'm passionate about, you know what, if anything, I don't, have to scream sports stuff at my poor wife for an hour and a half a week. (laughs) I can just do it healthily into a camera instead of her hating me for an hour and a half every week.
0: So if somebody wants to listen to uh, Lopes goes last podcast, what do they need to do? So
1: uh, just follow me at at, uh, LGL podcast uh, on YouTube. Just if you know, you search it and you can't find it for whatever reason, follow me on Twitter at at Lopes goes last uh, Facebook at Lopes goes last podcast, um, so, uh, right now that's all the social media that I'm on in terms of my, you know, business in terms mm-hmm. of the actual podcast.
0: So Tyler, this has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed getting to know your journey and the things that you're doing. And, uh, it's really cool to see kind of those steps in your journey. And it's a bit unique from, you know, so many people that I talk to about their journey. So thank you for sharing your journey with me today, but I can't let you go without asking you two more questions. I've been asking sure. these of all of our podcast guests. So first question is this, what is something that you've learned over the course of your journey that you would really wish to press or to pass on or impress upon others?
1: This is one of the first things I learned, uh, even all the way back when I was 16, when I, you know, first really wanted to try to, to figure this whole thing out. It's really sad that I can't remember the exact chapter and verse, but there's a verse in Matthew that talks about the things that are most important, what Jesus thinks are most important. And it's love your God and love your neighbor. And a lot of people struggle with, including myself, is a big struggle of mine. What does it mean to love God? How can you love God perfectly on a daily basis? Oftentimes, at least in my experience, everybody's is different, but I, when I first started this journey, did not know how to love God. I did not know what that meant. I did not know how to do that. I didn't know what he wanted. I didn't even know really who God was. But the second part of that verse, love your neighbor. That's something that is so easy to do. It's so, it's so just, you know, you can just very easily make that a part of your routine and make that a part of your day. Just being kind to people. Mm -hmm. Like that's what God cares about more than anything else. It's loving him. Absolutely. That's number one. Love God. But if you struggle with that and you're still working on that, love other people, love your neighbors, those that that's something that I've really wanted to focus on. And that's why I, you know, I mean, that's a big part of why I loved being the announcer at Johnson so much is because I felt like that was my way that I could love people, that I could show kindness and, and do that. And, you know, is it perfect every day? No, there are days where I'm really grumpy, man. I'm a salesperson. Like I have to talk to people on the phone and email people. And I'm like, oh God, look at this guy. What's he doing kind of thing. But (laughs) look, you know, be kind to people. That is genuinely in the Bible. Jesus says it, the two Mm -hmm. most important things, love God, love your neighbor. So just be Mm -hmm. kind to people. If you don't know what else to do, if you're struggling, be kind to people.
0: Well, now I'm really wondering what you're going to say next. So uh, last question I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you a second to think about while I do the commercial again. Imagine, if you will, that for the next 60 seconds, everybody in the world is listening to the podcast. So you have 60 seconds to say something to everyone in the world. What would you do with the 60 seconds that you have? While you're thinking about your answer, let me remind our listeners that the Sojournal Podcast is a production of the Alumni Relations Office at Johnson University and is brought to you by the Alumni Association. Whether you graduated from Central Florida Bible College, Johnson Bible College, Florida Christian College, or Johnson University, you are a part of the alumni family. Join the Alumni Association and help encourage and equip alumni and students as they pursue kingdom-focused vocations. Learn more at johnsonu.edu forward slash alumni. So Tyler Lopes, a 2021 graduate of Johnson University, Tennessee, on the sport and fitness leadership program, married to Tracy and currently living in Greenville, South Carolina, where you are a salesman for Green Gridiron and also the voice of Bob Jones University. Thank you so much for being my guest today, Tyler. Uh, What one minute message would you give to the world? Don't ever let anybody tell you what you are
1: capable of and what you're not capable of. Go after your dreams, go after the things that you want to do always, you know, you are exactly perfect for what you want to do. If you want something, go get it. Teach your kids to cook because food is one of the things in this world that can bring every single person from all walks of life, no matter religion, race, anything together. It doesn't divide people. It it doesn't do any of that. It's something that can quite literally get you a seat at the table with anybody in the world, no matter where they're from or what language they speak. Teach your kids to cook because it's important. And once your kids learn how to cook and they're able to cook all different kinds of food for all different kinds of people, that's when you can go in and you can start to teach people about God. You can start to teach people about his love, about how beautiful he is and about the things that he's capable of. Because God is the only thing in the universe that's capable of fixing a world that a lot of people feel is broken. A lot of people feel is divided. I mean, just look at where we're at as a nation right now. So much division, so many people that just want to tear other people down, regardless of what side of the aisle you feel like you're on. But God is the one thing that can unite us all. And yeah, it's kind of hard to sit there and think, hey, you want to talk about God? And then, you know, people are just going to want to listen. But if you can get people to the table with some other things, I feel like that's really important. So teach kids to cook. I know it sounds really, really weird, but I promise you if everybody knew how to cook all different kinds of food, we'd all be able to bring ourselves together. I know it sounds crazy, but that's how I feel.
0: (laughs) Tyler, I've got to tell you, I've been doing this podcast for two years. I've never heard somebody mention something like that, and it makes so much sense, so kudos to you for that. That's great. Thank so, you.
1: Hey, you know, I've, I've, never been, uh, I've never been considered the brightest bulb in the Christmas tree, so, you know, <laughs> taking it with a grain of salt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, passionately pursue whatever it is you want to pursue. Teach your kids to cook or learn to cook yourself. Right. Let that open doors, so. good good stuff. Tyler, thank you so much. This has been great fun. I really appreciate you being my guest today on the Sojournal podcast.
1: Tyson, this has been great. And like I said earlier, you ever need another guest, just give me a call. I'm available. Um, This is a lot of fun. And uh, I hope that everything goes the way you need it to go. Thank you.
0: The Sojournal Podcast is a production of the Alumni Relations Office at Johnson University. Edited by Lena Gavorsky. Podcast graphics by Rachel Woolard. Music by Loyal Love. Tune in to other Sojournal Podcasts dropping normally weekly on Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening.